0: You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. This series called Under Construction takes a look at how the Holy Spirit wants to rebuild lives. We're in the middle of a series called Under Construction. We've been looking at the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit wants to reconstruct our lives and and rebuild uh, our hearts, our our minds, our feet, our lives. We're going to be talking about that for the next couple weeks as well. We've been on a one-year series. We, we kind of do our year on a school year, September to September. So we're coming, kind of coming to the ends of our year in the next couple months. Throughout the summer, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. We spent the first third or so of the year talking about the, the, the Father, God the Father. Then we spent another third of our year talking about God the Son, talking about Jesus. And that was an exciting few series there. The last couple series of our school year, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. So we've got this series under construction. And then the next series that we'll start here in a few weeks, we'll wrap up our, our school year, uh, finishing up about the Holy Spirit. The first week of this series just to kind of recap we talked about how the spirit wants to build an army or or specifically rebuild an army we looked at one of my favorite passages from the old testament ezekiel ezekiel was this man that god uh, brought him to this valley and 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 showed him this his huge valley there's nothing but skeletons of dry bones everywhere and he said do you think that this this valley of dry bones could become an army again, a physical live army. And he said, I, I'm not sure. I, you, I think you know the answer to that better than I do. He said, just watch. And so he, the spirit rebuilds that army and they come alive again. And we're kind of using that as, uh, as an analogy for this whole series that God wants to rebuild us and rebuild us into an army for him. Two weeks ago, we talked about uh, how God wants to rebuild our our, our minds, rather, our, rebuild our minds. He wants to to change our thought process, our worldview, and change the way that we think and, 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 and think the way that God thinks. Last week, we kind of went a little out of order. Shane kind of talked about that a little bit. We were meant to do Rebuilt Heart last week, which is what we're going to be talking about today, but we had to kind of kind of, we got our wires crossed, we had to move a couple of sermons, but last week we talked about rebuilt feet, about how the Spirit wants to change our actions and, and help us act in, in a different way, a way that's contrary to what we're used to. And then today we're going to be talking about rebuilt heart. So the way that Shane put it last week I thought was so great, he said, um, the Spirit rebuilds our minds, uh, the mind comes up with a, a thought, uh, you know, something that makes sense to us, then it filters down into our heart. And our heart says, okay, that makes logical sense, but I'm not sure I really want to do that or not. Uh, If if you want to do that and the heart seconds it, then it goes down to your feet and it it filters through your body. It filters down to your feet and your feet carry it out. So if your mind thinks of something and your heart seconds it, your feet are just going to carry it out. And that's what we talked about last week. We're going to be in Galatians 5 today. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, uh, if you have a tablet or a phone uh, or a paper Bible, we encourage you to turn to Galatians 5. Um, I think, do we have the scriptures in the Bible app today? Laurie, did we get that figured out? Okay, but they may not be in the Bible app today. Um, if, it, if they're not there, then we'll definitely have them on the screen behind me, and you can follow along that way. We, we always like to get the scriptures right in front of you so you can dive deep into God's Word. We're only going to be in a single chapter of the Bible, so we won't be jumping around a whole lot. Uh, Galatians chapter 5. Uh, Jessica and I just a couple days ago same day as the memorial actually in the afternoon we had a plumber come out to our house we had a, a, a drain in our house that was was pretty clogged we had tried the draino thing like five times and tried to fix it ourselves I'm, I'm no handyman um, I, I, Jared knows that I've had him come over, over to my house several times and help me with things that I just don't know how to do uh, computers yes anything else no um, if it involves screws or or hammers or anything I, I don't really know what to do and so I I called a professional I We broke down finally and called a plumber. Uh, He came out in about four and a half minutes, had it fixed. Um, So I I felt like a dummy after that. Um, we, uh, we had this drain that we just couldn't get get taken care of. It was draining slowly, but it, it just it wouldn't fully uh, drain like it normally would. It was clogged, and it reminds me of, of how our heart can be. We talked about how the mind filters through the heart and goes into our feet for action. But if our heart gets clogged up, and specifically what we're going to be talking about today is clogged with sin, how can we carry out the things that the Spirit wants us to carry out? If God gives us new, a new mindset, but our heart is clogged with sin, then it will never get down to our feet. It will never get down to action. And so that's what we're going to be talking today. Talking about today. How does the Spirit transform our passions and our desires to be more like His? That's the question that we want to answer today. Uh, our heart needs to be transformed if we're going to live the life that God wants for us. Uh, not necessarily from us, but for us. He wants good things for us. So let's start uh, Galatians chapter 5. Let's start, just read one verse, uh, verse 24 towards the bottom of the, of the chapter there verse 24 it says those who belong to christ jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there nailed the passions and desires whenever you read the word passion or desire or want the want to of our of our lives we're really what we're talking about is heart. that our heart is the seat of our passions our desires our emotions that it's the want to in life. When you feel like you want to do something, that's your heart saying that you want to do that thing. And, and really, Paul gets right after it here. He said at, at, the, at the very beginning of our message today, he says that the idea is that we need to crucify the flesh. Um, you and I need to get so disgusted with our sin that we want to crucify it to the cross. We want to get rid of it. We want to kill it. We want to massacre it to the cross. Now, last week, Shane pulled out what I, I hope was a plastic knife. I, I don't know if it was a real knife or a plastic knife. And he was saying, we got we to gotta get after our sin. We got to kill it. We got we to gotta get rid of it. And, and it, I think scared everyone else in the, in the room. I was, I was terrified. I was all the way in the back, and I wasn't even the guy that was right here that he was, like, stabbing, you know, uh, just a couple feet away. But if you were here last Sunday, you remember that, that already because it probably got burned into your minds. But that's what we're talking about. We have to get serious about our sin, to the point where we would want to crucify it to the cross. Uh, he uses a bloody imagery here. The cross is, is something that, to you and I, it's a little bit foreign to us. Uh, we haven't seen somebody get crucified. Hopefully you haven't seen someone gr- get crucified right before your very eyes. We've seen it on movies, and you know the movies don't really do it true justice even. Even The Passion of the Christ is, is, is close, but not exact to what, how bloody and, and, and awful that was. But Paul uses this on purpose. He says, look, and it's the point that the cross is disgusting to you and the point that you are disgusted by, the, by somebody being crucified, nailed to a cross, and hung there to basically suffocate to death for hours on end, that's the kind of passion, that's the kind of disgust you need to get with your own sin. Um, we've been talking about this in our small group recently. Uh, I lead a small group on Wednesday nights. If you're not a part of a small group and you'd like to get involved, please talk to me after service because that's one of the things that, speaking of heart, that's something I get passionate about a small group. But um, we've been talking about disgust and, and getting disgusted with our sin. Whenever that conversation comes up, the word that I, normally comes to my mind pretty quickly is the word guilt. And I think the word guilt is something that's been maybe misunderstood over the years by Christians, by the church. I think that that guilt can be easily something that we're afraid of, uh, something that we're ashamed of. Um, I think even a lot of Christians probably believe that, that Christians shouldn't have guilt, that we shouldn't, you know, guilt should never enter our brains or enter our hearts. And let me say this: I think I, I truly believe that guilt is something that is a gift from God. I think guilt has been given us, given to us straight from God Himself. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to be afraid of in fact let me go so far as to say this i think that guilt needs to be something that you use as a tool and unless you feel guilt over your sin your heart will never change i promise you that Uh, my my heart over the years has gotten desensitized to sin uh, to the point where if i come back to the same sin over and over again i start to feel less and less guilty over it and that's a dangerous place to be if you want your heart to be changed by the spirit if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, yeah, there's, there's a sin in my life that I've just committed over and over and over again. I can't count how many times, thousands of times I've clogged my heart, my desires with that sin. Um, my, my prayer for you this morning, I hope that you're praying for this for yourself, is that God would give you, the Spirit would give you that guilt again um, to use it as a tool to crucify your sin to the cross. So use it as a powerful motivator. Um, God wants us to get serious about our sin. And, and I think you can use guilt and disgust as a tool to get, to get there, to, to get to crucify that. But what does the flesh look like? When Paul says we want to crucify the sinful nature to the cross, what's he talking about? I think he gives us a, a very pretty clear list um, just a few verses earlier. So let's read that, verses 19 through 21. We're going to go kind of backwards through the, the passage here. Verse 19, he says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. It looks like this. Sexual immorality, all kinds of sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy. Some of these are starting to sound familiar to you. Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. It kind of throws out a junk drawer term, just kind of et cetera, et cetera. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That last statement is scary. We'll get to that here in a second, but first let's let's say this that these kinds of things, the list that you just saw up on the screen or or on the Bible that's in your lap, these are the kinds of things that the sinful nature does by nature. These are natural for the for those who are living by the sinful nature. We'll get to talk about this here in a little bit but more, but when you started following Christ, if you're here this morning and you say, yeah, I follow Christ, in that moment that you started following Christ, you got an additional nature, not a replacement nature, but an additional one. What I'm saying is that before you started following Christ, you only had the sinful nature. It was in your nature to only commit sin, to only do the things that God uh, despises, that God hates. And that's, and that's okay, because that was natural for you at that time. That was, that was just what you would naturally do. When you come to christ christ gives you his spirit nature but here's the thing he doesn't take away your sinful nature i wish he did i wish i there are days where i just like man i wish he would just taken it completely away but that's not going to be the case this side of heaven um, now when we get to heaven we will have our sinful nature taken away we'll get to live gloriously with christ forever and ever but until that day we have two natures that are living inside of us all the time sinful nature and our our, our spirit nature And the sinful nature, if we allow it to work through our lives, it's going to look like these things. Now, if you were looking at that list and you say, yep, that's me. Yep, I do that. Yep, that's a temptation for me. You're in good company with everyone in this room. Everyone identified something that they struggle with from that list. And that's the sinful nature working itself through our lives. And and that's us ignoring the, the spirit nature. It's obviously a short list of sins that Paul covers. There's a lot more sins than that. If your sin wasn't up there, uh, he, at the very end, he says, there's a lot more like these. So, you know, he, I promise you, he, he was thinking about your sin even if he didn't write about it in the interest of time. But um, these are our desires. These are our, our, maybe even our passions without Christ and when we d- decide to live on our own. Our hearts, our desires, our passions get clogged with these kinds of sins. So that last statement, let's get to that, because I know it's probably, you're probably thinking about that still. Uh, a couple of those sins probably look familiar to you. And, and in that last verse, he says that if you engage in these sins, if you live these kinds of sins, that you will not inherit the kingdom of God if you live that kind of life. Um, so the question on all of our minds, I think, this morning is, what does that mean? Uh, does that mean perfection? Does that mean that if I commit any of these sins at any time, I can't go to heaven someday? Um, let me first answer that with a one-word answer, uh, no, uh, definitive no. But let me explain what I mean by that. Um, there's two things I want you to know about what he says here at the end, I think it's crucial for us, especially when we're looking and examining our hearts this morning. First is, is something I just mentioned a second ago, that all have sinned, and all of us sin on a regular basis. I don't care if you've been walking with God, sitting here you've been walking with God for 50 years, or for five months, or you're not maybe not walk, walking with God at all right now. Um, All of us sin on a regular basis. I guarantee you the person sitting next to you has sinned dozens of times this week. And if you were honest with yourself and honest with that person, you would admit the same thing. So all of us sin all the time. And there's no way to get rid of that sinful nature 100% permanently. Um, We're in good company with Paul. Paul, Shane kind of mentioned this last week, what he calls the doo-doo passage. Uh, In Romans 7, Paul himself, one of the heroes of our faith, the one that we look to to aspire, besides Jesus, we aspire to be like. We want to imitate Paul. He himself said, I do the things I don't want to do all the time. And the things that I I know I should do, my mind says I should do it. My heart says, I don't really want to do that. And he says, I struggle with that all the time. So if you feel like that this morning, you're just like Paul. Paul is, is in good company with you. Okay? The second thing I want you to know is that this, really the, the, the original language that, was, that this was written in, it was written in Greek, that really what it's talking about is the, uh, this idea of habitual sinning to the point that, that you don't even desire to be any different than how you are. What he's talking about is somebody that is engaging in these sins, and they enjoy it. They don't think about anything else. They never feel guilty over it. It's just a habitual lifestyle. And, and what he's saying is that if you're there, yes, you won't in, in, enter the kingdom of God. But if you feel burdened over your sin and you're trying to make headway and you're trying to make progress, you will inherit the kingdom of God. That's the nature of of what God has done for you. He's given you a spirit nature and, a, and allowed you to keep your fleshly nature. So let me throw out a few questions because. Maybe this morning you're thinking, I'm not sure what camp I'm in. Um, You know, I I, I struggle with some of these sins. Where where would I be at? Let me throw out some ideas to kind of get you thinking. Only you can answer that question. Only the God God that we serve can give you that answer. But let me throw out a few things to kind of think about. Are you struggling with your sin or are you easily sinning? Uh, One of the words in the passage really could be translated as, ready to sin at any time, looking for chances to sin. Does that describe you? Do you recognize when the flesh wins inside of you, or does it just pass you by by unnoticed? Um, Is there any victory over your sin, even small victory? I don't don't care if it's five years ago, I committed the sin four days a week. Now I commit it three days a week, and there's a little bit of victory. Is there any kind of victory over your sin that you can point to? Uh, Do you want to sin, or does it burden you when you sin? Do you feel burdens when, when you've committed that sin on that list? or a sin that wasn't on the list here's the bottom line my my passions my desires Phil's passions Phil's desires are these things Um, we there's several things on that list that I struggle with and I've struggled with them for years and they're not going away anytime soon I'm better than what I was but I'm not where I want to be and that's the spirit working in my life so we want our hearts to be changed by the spirit so that's what the flesh looks like it needs to be crucified but how do we do this? What's the process by which we crucify the, the flesh? The answer that I'm going to give you this morning is probably not what you're expecting. Um, let's go ahead and read the verses right before that, verses 16 through 19. Verse 16, he's going to kind of answer it a little bit in this first verse. He says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Spirit guide your life. Verse 17. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. These are two natures we talked about. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the nature sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. I'm talking about two natures that are constantly fighting one another. Um, here's, here's how I think that we crucify the, the flesh, and it's uh, probably not what you thought I would say, um, that really what we're, what we're after is switching from defense to offense. I think we're going to explain what that means here in a second, but um, I'm excited for football. I, every time the NFL comes around, I get, I get pumped. I, I get excited for the Chiefs preseason, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I'm, I got my, brought my Chiefs Cup this morning. I'm, I'm excited for some football. Uh, it's going to be here in a few weeks, and, and I, I can't wait those of you this morning who are uh, football fans or sports buffs or whatever, let me ask you a question. Pr- crowd participation, I want you to respond. What is more important in t- for win- t- to win games, defense or offense? What's more important to win games? Uh, scoring, more <laughs> scoring more touchdowns? Okay, so maybe more offense? Anyone thinks d- defense? Okay, a couple of you said defense. It's a hard question, right? I mean, if you have a great offense but a terrible defense, you'll score a lot of points, but the other team is going to score a lot too. There's nothing you can do to stop them, uh, and you could end up losing those games. If you have a great defense, yeah, the other team is never going to score, but then your team never scores either, and then (laughs) you don't win that game. So it's kind of both, right? I kind of asked a trick question this morning. It's kind of both. You want both a good defense and a good offense. Um, You've heard this phrase, and, and finish my sentence here, the best defense is a... A great offense, right? And a good offense or a great offense, uh, the best offense is a great defense. What does that phrase mean? What, crowd participation. What does that, if I said a best defense is a great offense, what is that, what, is that, what am I trying to say to you when, when I say that? Teamwork, yep, both, both working as a whole. What does it mean that the, great, the best defense is a great offense? Well, I, I a first. What's that? Yes. Okay, good. So, so if the defense is doing its job, um, if, they, if they are keeping the other team from scoring, uh, the offense doesn't really have to work as hard. It, it, you know, when, when they take the field, when the offense takes the field, um, if there's no points on the board, yeah, you have to work to get some points on the board, but you're not as afraid. You're not having to go after it as hard. So the offense wants the defense to do well and vice versa. Here's, here's how that works with what we're talking about today. I think you and I so often play defense only with our sin. Um, we don 't go after the, the things that the spirit craves um, in that passage that we just read. He says that, 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 that the spirit wants to do evil the spirit or the, the simple nature wants to do evil, the spirit nature wants to do good. Well, we so often just try to block our sin with defense. We say, oh, I'm, I'm not going to do that ever again. Uh, you've, you've, you've uttered this phrase, God, I'll never do that again. God, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never do that ever again. It's defense. And what, what happens is the very next day you end up doing the th- same thing all over again. It, d- it doesn't work. Um, when, when you and I go o- after only defense and not after the, spirit, the things that the spirit craves, that offense, offensive measure in our hearts then we're not making any headway we're not winning the fight we're not winning the game so what i want you to think about this morning is not so much how do i stop sinning but how do i replace the sin with good how do i have to how do i go after the things that the spirit craves um i I don't know about you but i'm tired of playing defense with my sin i'm tired of going after my sin and and saying i'm not going to do that anymore instead of going after the things that god wants me to go after and we'll talk about that here in a second Um, There's a battle that's raging on within us, all of us who are believers this morning, who follow Christ, that you have those two natures warring against each other all the time. If you were, and I don't believe this is possible, but if you were 100% living by the Spirit, if that were possible, you would never sin. You would never want to sin. What I mean by that is that it is not in the Spirit's nature to sin. God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit does not in any way is ever going to sin and never wants to sin in any, in any possible way. So if, you were, if it were possible for you to live 100% by the Spirit, you would never, have to, you would never sin ever again and not even have to think about sin and, and white-knuckling your sin trying to get it to stop. Um, that, I think that's what Paul is talking about. At the end of that passage, he says that the law of Moses... The, the laws, the, you know, memorizing, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that, oh, I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to do that, that means nothing to you at that point. If you are living 100% by the Spirit, you don't even have to think about the law of Moses because the Spirit only wants to do those things and only desires not to do those other things. If that were possible for us, and I don't believe it's 100% possible, but if we could get closer to that, now we're going to be walking in, in the Spirit and not carrying out the deeds of the flesh, the, the sinful nature so switching from defense to offense what i'm talking about is switching off of the the defensive i don't want to sin anymore and thinking more about let me let me think about what can i bring into my life what are some things some good things spirit things that that are pleasing to god that i can fill my life with to overflowing so that it pushes the sin out out of my heart uh we don't even want to sin anymore when we get to this part because it's so contrary to our nature to the the to the person that we become. Sometimes the best defense is a good offense, and that's what we wanna talk about next. So uh, let's look at that, uh, verses 22 and 23. What does the switch look like? If we're gonna switch to offense, how will we know when we're making headway? How will we know when we're acting out Our our hearts are desiring the things that the Spirit desires. This is what it looks like. He gives us another list here, just like he gave us a list of what the the heart's desire of of the sinful nature is. He gives us examples of what the heart's desire of the Spirit nature is. Verse 22. It says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So if we're going to be playing offense with our hearts and and going after the things that the Spirit desires, we go after these things, this list. If you were living, if you could manage, again, I don't know that it's 100% possible, but if you could manage to live 100% by what the Spirit craves, your life would be full of all of these things. And maybe you can point to one or two and you say, hey, I feel like I'm a pretty loving person. I feel like I'm pretty kind to people. Oh, but patience, that's not my strong suit, or uh, I'm not very joyful most of the time. That if you were living 100% by the Spirit, you would have all of these things. So here's what your life would look like if you were living 100% by the Spirit. Uh, love, a self-sacrificing concern for others over yourself. Joy, uh, if you were 100% joyful, you would always be content no matter what circumstances you find yourself in all the time. P- if you were peaceful, you would have a total lack of strife with others and with God, and with God all the time. If you were 100% patient, uh, that person that gets on your last nerve for years and years and years and years, uh, you would never be at strife with that person ever. That person would never uh, get, get the best of you. Uh, kindness you would be treating people only with mercy even the people that deserve otherwise that don't deserve mercy you give them mercy as well goodness you'd be generous to people who don't deserve to be generous that don't deserve any kind of generosity Um, faithfulness you are rock steady unbudgeable, uh, unmoving dependable gentleness you're humble you're teachable willing to back down from an ugly fight when a when a, a chance to put up your dukes comes up you don't take the chance Self-control, you know, pretty self-explanatory. It just means that your actions are always under your control all the time. There's nothing that you would do that that just didn't seem like you. The last statement that he says uh, that's still up on the screen that says there's no law against these things what he's saying is that there's no government worth its salt in this world that's ever going to outlaw any of these things imagine if if we read, we were watching the news and we saw the, a government in, somewhere in, in the other side of the world said uh, no more faithfulness no more goodness uh, love is illegal at this point uh, you know no, no more uh, no more peace only war from this point on uh, no government worth its salt is ever going to outlaw any of these things Things. you know what that tells me that, that that's just not that seems so unnatural I can't even imagine a government trying to outlaw any of these things that God himself God the Father God the Son God the Spirit has wired the world to work this way that the world that we live in is is geared is built is our DNA is such that the Spirit uh, wants these things and so we deep down even if you're not a Christian even if you don't follow Christ these are things that you want for your life these are good things. And the world itself agrees on that. So we get natural spirit desires, and we go after that. Um, This is a a reconstruction, a rebuilding of our heart, a rebuilding of of the DNA of our passions, our desires, the things that we seek after. And it's something that, that is, is difficult to achieve. You know, this list is, is like, I, I see some of those. And I'm like, I could never do that. I could never be that person. That's something I will always struggle with. But the Spirit says, now I can change your heart. I can change your desires to be more like mine. And that's what I'm going to be praying for this morning. So how do we, de- we, how do we increase these desires? Those are all well and good. You know, those are, that's a, a great um, you know, thing to aspire for. But how could we ever get closer to those things? If we're not white-knuckling our sin, if we're not trying to break sin and stop it in its tracks, but we're going after these things, how do we go after these things? What, I mean, can I just magically produce more joy in my life? How, how am I supposed to produce these things? Uh, what we talk about here at what we've been talking about it quite a bit in the, especially through this series um, the last month or so, we've been talking about the three tools. And, and if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you probably know, um, have probably haven't memorized by now, but um, let me remind you what the three tools are. The three tools that we go after, that we want to produce more spirit nature things in our life, are, is Bible, prayer, and community. So Bible is just as simple as this. It's getting into your Bible on a daily basis. Now, I don't care if it's three minutes, seven verses, one chapter. I don't care how long it takes you. Just spend five minutes, three or five five minutes. Some of you will spend more time than that. But spend a little bit of time in the Word every day. Uh, in my life, I'll just give you a personal testimony. In my life, this, the times in my life that I've struggled with sin the most, as a believer, not as, you know, before I came to Christ, but as, after I came to Christ, the times that I've struggled with sin the most and I've clogged my heart with those desires have always, I can always point to those times as times that I was not in God's word. Uh, in fact, I, the times that I've been in God's word the most have always been the times where my sin has been the least. Um, I thought about, john the baptist this week i was thinking in kind of doing the last minute prep for this message john the baptist has a very interesting phrase that he says towards the end of his ministry most of you know john the baptist is the guy who's he's contemporary with jesus he was actually related to jesus in a a family relationship with him and yet he looked at jesus as savior messiah the coming king the one that was promised to, to israel And he preached about him, said, you know, if you want to know what what salvation looks like, look to this man. And he pointed to him throughout his whole life up to the point that he was beheaded. And in the, the last part of his life, talking about Jesus, he said this. He said, he, Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. He must increase and I must decrease. That's offense and defense. He says, it's not enough for me to decrease. He's got to increase in my life. I think one of the ways you do that is through the Bible. Uh, through reading God's word. If you're not engaged in God's word, even just for a couple, I don't care if it's a couple minutes a day, um, get into God's word, let it speak to you. God has to, so the spirit has to increase in your heart for you to desire the things of the spirit and you've got to let yourself do that. Second is prayer. If you're not praying to God, if you're not crying out to him and saying, I hate my sin, I know you hate my sin, I hate it too, I want to be different, I want to want these good things in my life, you've got to be crying out to him and asking him to help to help you with those things. You cannot do it without Him. And that's, if you're doing it without Him, you're only playing defense. And then third is community. Uh, you can't do it alone. Um, yeah, you need Jesus. You need the Spirit to help you. That's prayer. But you need each other. The people that are around, sitting around you, small groups, and one-on-one uh, disciple-making relationships here at CrossPoint. These are the ways that p- people are going to encourage you to keep fighting the good fight. That war that's that's inside of your heart all the time. The nature is fighting against the sin. The, the sinful nature is fighting against the spirit nature, and vice versa. You've got. You cannot fight that fight alone. So you need others around you to help you um, talk to other people, uh, confess, um, you know, engage with them and say, how, how did you overcome this? How can I get more love or more peace in my life? What, what works for you? What, how have you overcome these things? You're going to need people to sh- help you change your heart um last thing this morning and and it's been a a word that was in our songs this morning and i've kind of been it's kind of been the underbelly of what i've been talking about this morning but i haven't actually uttered the word yet um but really the the i feel like the theme of everything that we've been talking about this morning is freedom we want to be free from our sin we want to be free to want and desire the things that the spirit wants let's read a couple more verses one that we already read we'll read it again verse 17 and then also in verse 25 Verse 17, we'll just read it again. I think this is a, a kind of meat of the passage. It says, The sinful nature wants to do evil. That's the heart. that wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Here it is. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. What he's saying is, is you have good intentions. Your mind says, Yeah, this is a smart thing to do. Yeah, that makes sense but you're not free to carry out those intentions. Your heart doesn't want to do those things, so it never gets down to your feet. Your heart is so clogged with sin. Talking about the plumber, you know, we need to cleanse out the sin that's in our heart um, that you're not free to carry out the good intentions that you have in your minds. And then verse 25, and I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit differently than what's on the screen just to make it it more applicable to us, but basically what he says is, but if you live by the Spirit, if it were possible to 100% live by the Spirit, You will follow the Spirit's leading in every part of your life. That is freedom. Verse 25 is all about the freedom that you and I can enjoy. So the last point this morning is start to walk in freedom. That's what I want for you this morning, to be able to say, look, I'm free. The sin that has been bogging me down, um, the lack of spirit desires, the lack of love in my life, the lack of joy, the lack of peace, patience, kindness, all those things that we listed. That is not what I want, and I want to walk in that kind of freedom to be able to not do those things and to do those things that the Spirit would so infiltrate my heart that, that that just becomes my nature to do those things or to not do those things. Um, verse 17, he says, you are not free, and, and I would say that to all of us this morning. You, you, deep down, you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Now, when you come to Christ, when you become a Christian, you enjoy some freedom. I I truly believe that in that moment, when you say yes to Christ and say, yes, take over my life, you enjoy some level of freedom there, but you don't enjoy 100% freedom. That's a process that the Lord, for whatever reason, allows us to go through for our entire life, and it's a lifetime race that we run. Um, But we will not achieve 100% freedom this side of heaven um, I want us to be 100% free this side of heaven or as close to it as possible. Um, I'm tired of being in bondage to sin, aren't you? I'm tired of saying yes to sin every time it comes knocking down on the heart, the door of my heart, aren't you? I'm tired of doing the things that God hates, even though the Spirit, who God loves, is living inside of me all the time, aren't you? Aren't you tired? The Spirit is trying to change our passions and our desires, our hearts in every part, verse 25 said, every part of our lives, every part. Will you let him switch you from defense to offense and start to change what you want to do? We talked about the minds a couple weeks ago about how we need to think differently, but today we're talking about our desires. If you want to want different things, the Spirit can help you do that, and he wants to do that by rebuilding our hearts. So if, if you're here this morning and you're just checking out Jesus, you're not quite sure about him, you're not quite sure about a relationship with him, not sure about the church, um, I, you know, we've been talking mostly to Christians this morning, but I I think this is a great Sunday for you to be here because I want you to get a little bit of an inside scoop of what Christians really are. Um, I think it's easy to, to view Christians as people who think that they have their, all their act together and, um, you know... They don't stink at all, and uh, they don't sin, and they don't struggle with anything anymore because they're a Christian, and they're perfect. Uh, I can tell you, if, if, you didn't, if it wasn't abundantly clear from the scriptures that we read this morning, um, that is absolutely not true. We struggle. We struggle with sin daily, just like you do. Um, it is a part of our nature, just like it is yours. We just happen to have an additional nature that's fighting against that. And, and struggling with that. So if you want to know, if you're, if you're not a believer this morning, and you want to know more about how the Spirit can rebuild your heart and change you from the inside out, we want to talk to you about that this morning. I, I would love to share with you about how the Spirit has rebuilt my heart and changed me, and He can do the same for you. I know He can. Um, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, if you're a fan, as, as we call it um, here at Cross Point, crucified of flesh, Um, Go after your sin. Get disgusted with your sin. Get that guilt back. Get that desire back to to see your sin crucified to the cross. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in freedom uh, starting this morning. Allow the Spirit to transform your passions, your desires to be more like His. And I promise you, if you're able to do that or make headway into that, you will start to walk in freedom. And I really want that for all of you. The band's going to come up at this time, and we're going to sing a couple songs back to back. Two songs back to back. Give you about nine or ten minutes to kind of respond to what the Spirit wants to do in your heart. Um, go, go ahead and close your eyes just for a second, because I, I don't want. There's nothing special or magical about closing your eyes. I just. I, this is one of those things that um, that I want to. Um, it, it's just between you and the Spirit. I don't want. You, I don't want you to. get, um, You know. Distracted by anything else that's going along, but just maybe just talk to the Lord just for a second and just say Holy Spirit, I know my desires my want to's my 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 passions in my life Don't line up that I've still got the sinful nature that's controlling my heart and it's clogging my it's clogging my my life Um, The the good intentions that I have in my mind I don't carry a lot of them out uh, or I do the opposite of what what I intend to do all the time because my heart is so destroyed by sin um, maybe this morning you just need to cry out to Him and say, God, would you change that? Would you change my heart? Um, change my desires to be more like you. Um, that's my prayer for myself this morning, is that the Spirit would, would change what I want to do. Let's cry out to Him for just for a second. The um, man is going to play the guitar. Just, 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 uh, just cry out to Him, cry out to the Spirit, and just say, Lord, change my heart, change my desires. I don't want to be the, the way that I, want, I am. He wants to rebuild. He wants to change your desires to be more like His. Let me pray for you, and then we're, we're going to sing. We're going to sing a couple songs together. Holy Spirit, you can do this. This is not impossible. I believe that the people here this morning truly want your spirit to infiltrate their hearts and to unclog their sin, to, to switch from defense to offense and go after the, th- the good things that you desire for them, for their lives. This is what they want. But our, on a daily basis, we, ch- we continually choose the opposite. We can ch- continually choose what the sinful nature wants to do. So God, would you change my heart, Phil's heart? Would you ch- change the heart of every believer here this morning? Help us to start to walk in freedom. And to have freedom over the sin that we so often choose. God, uh, we know that you've given our, our, our minds a reboot in the last couple of weeks. Reboot our hearts today. And rebuild us and help us to choose and want and desire the things that you want. Only you can do that. And we cry out to you and ask you to do that very thing for us this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. You have listened to the Cross Point Fellowship podcast Please find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash mycrosspoint.